Okay, this morning is on the perseverance of the saints. And so we have... Um, it, it doesn't show up when we write it down in this order. Uh, it doesn't show up because it, it, it's quite a bit different. The perseverance of the saints actually starts right here. When, when God in time... So the perseverance of the saints is wonderful because it... it, it encompasses eternity past and eternity future. Um, and so it is a, a doctrine that's tied into salvation, but, but it's it basically God's holding His people whom He chose to love and call to be His own, Him doing His work all the way through their life, but all the way through history to bring them to uh, glorification, which I haven't even written that one down. Maybe that's because I, uh, I'm not organized. <laughs> anyway, so last week we did a sanctification. We finished that up. And sanctification also, sanctification is this process that really, that this process starts here. As soon as we are regenerated, faith and repentance and all these things happen. But sanctification is the process where we get to glorification. So, uh, glorification is that kind of the final state of humanity. Does that make sense? Anything in error? Um, okay, so that, that, that's what we're going to talk about this morning is um, the perseverance. I always, try, I always want to say preservation because it's it's similar. God preserves his people. Um, and so that that's that's where we are. Uh, so it's not a thing that just uh, happens in a moment. it's it's an ongoing thing, whereby these other things, the election and the predestination, they happen. Um, the calling, it it happens in a moment. Uh, your heart is renewed in a moment. Uh, faith and repentance uh, accompany this regeneration. So, Anyway, um, so perseverance. Um, in 2 Corinthians 3, actually, let me read that, te- that quote from Keller. Before we are Christians, we're in a battle with sin that we cannot win. And after the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts, we are in a battle with sin that we cannot lose. But we are still in a battle. So it's, it's important to, uh, to remember that. Um, a non-Christian might fight with sin out of ego or pride um, or just wanting to make themselves a better person, but without the Spirit of God working in them, they will not conquer sin. When the Spirit of God comes into a human being and saves them, they're still in a battle with sin. Um, and it's one they can't lose, but they're still in a battle. Now, I think that's Dr. Timothy Keller. I have recently been reading more C.S. Lewis and things I attribute to Keller. I find he stole from Lewis, um, who stole them from, I don't know, Augustine or Augustine, as Scotty likes to call him, his friends. Augustine. Augustine. Mm. 2 Corinthians 3, the ministry of death carved in letters of stone came with glory. Israelites couldn't gaze at Moses' face. Because of its glory, which is being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, 
What once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Since we have such a hope. Okay, so what, what he is talking about, the Apostle Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians 3, uh, and the context of 2 Corinthians is uh, Paul's letter, the first letter he wrote, was a, a, in many ways a scathing rebuke. It was a list of all the things that were wrong in that church in Corinth. Then Paul receives a letter that the church has responded in repentance. And specifically, there was one believer in their midst that was committing heinous acts of sin. Uh, he describes it in 1 Corinthians as sin that even the Gentiles would be ashamed of. Um, and so 2 Corinthians is this beautiful, beautiful response. I gave you a harsh warning. You responded in repentance and humility. And now comes uh, this letter of, I, I want to assure you that you're saved. So that often happens with a Christian. They, they, they encounter this sin that they thought they'd never, never deal with. They never experienced. It would, could never do. Right? I, 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 I'm going on a limb. Mark Kuyper smoked pot in college. And I went through this process. I remember, like, I'm the good kid. Like, what if people knew? What about all those kids I took to camp? What if they knew that I... Would they then feel free to do it? Like, I hope not because I'm not their savior. Right? But I went through that. Am I, am I a Christian? How could I have done that? You know, in my mind, growing up, that was like Christians never did this, 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 this. So Paul is writing to a church, uh, specifically to a, um, uh, a, a believer, but, but the whole church. And, um, and so he is talking about the beauty of the glory of the righteousness of God and the gospel. And then in verse 12, he is, he is talking about this sanctification process with this hope of where we go. Uh, we have a hope we are bold, not like Moses who would put a veil over his face so the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yet to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. In verse 18, we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I, I put that text in there really just for verse 18. Okay, so as we think about God preserving his people, God keeping his people, Christians not losing their salvation... Um, what, what, is, what is happening as we move through sanctification to glorification is we are beholding Christ. And so it, it's absolutely what we try to do in worship, present Christ, to have our faces, our hearts, our affections turned to Him. So when we talk about the perseverance of the saints, we've got really three things that we want to cover this morning. Um, and you've probably heard it this way, once saved, always saved. Anybody heard that? Okay, once saved, always saved. The question then also, can true Christians lose their salvation? Can a true Christian 
lose their salvation. And maybe the most important, the last one, how can we know if we are truly born again? Now, I, I dealt with this a lot as a youth minister because kids would have this profession of faith. They may go through a season of doubt, maybe even turning their back on it, and, and parents would come and say, how do I know? And um, so we're, we're going we're gonna to discuss that. Um, that, that'll be towards the end. So um, the definition of perseverance from um, Wayne Grudem is the perseverance of the saints means that all those who are truly born again will be kept by God's power. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just so, I just really butchered that sentence, didn't I? Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> like I was the notes I read over it like what the heck the perseverance of the saints means that all those who are truly born again will be kept by God's power will persevere as Christians until the end of their lives and that only those who persevere until the end have been truly born again the Westminster Confession of Faith says they whom have accepted whom God has accepted in his beloved effectually called and sanctified by his spirit can neither totally nor finally fall away from the state of grace, but shall certainly persevere therein to the end and be eternally saved. Paragraph 2 of that chapter in the Confession says, The perseverance of the saints depends not upon their own free will, but upon the immutability of the decree of election, flowing from the free and unchangeable love of God the Father, upon the efficacy of the merit and intercession of Jesus, the abiding of the Spirit and of the seed of God within them, and the nature of the covenant of grace, from all which ariseth also the certainty and infallibility thereof. Paragraph 3, Nevertheless they may, through the temptations of Satan and of the world, the prevalency of corruption remaining in them and the neglect of the means of their perseverance fall into grievous sins and for a time continue therein, whereby they incur God's displeasure and grieve His Holy Spirit, come to be deprived of some measure of their graces and comforts, have their hearts hardened and their consciences wounded, hurt and scandalize others, and, being temporal and bring temporal judgments upon themselves. Um, any questions about that extended definition? So when I mention my wayward times in college, my first year, um, that's paragraph three really described what happened. There was a real sense of loss and angst, uh, guilt, shame. Uh, uh, there was a sense of not being able to enjoy the pleasures of sin that those who didn't know the Lord enjoyed. Um, and the Lord brought me back through that. So. These two parts of the definition. The first is the assurance that God's saving power will keep you until you die, or maybe better, for eternity. Uh, second, continuing in the Christian life is one of the evidences that a person is truly born again. Now, I put in parentheses, this aspect of the doctrine must be kept in mind lest we give false assurances to people and about people who are never truly born again. So you ask a person, um, are you a Christian? Or maybe some of the questions that we would use in our, we used to do this door-to-door -door evangelism. 
And the question would, was, that was asked was, if you were to die tonight, and you were to stand before the Lord, and he would ask you, why should I let you into heaven? What would be your answer? Um, and I think that's, that's just very, just a, it's a simple, but it's a very, very important question. Why should I let you in? Now, many times when I'm doing new member interviews, when I did it with a big group, and I didn't know the people personally, but I taught basically the same curriculum I've taught you guys, and I've done it for 20-some years. I can't tell you how many times I would ask that question, and a person would say, because I've tried to be a good person. Why should I let you into my heaven? Well, because I went to church, because I was baptized, um, and uh, so that that's the that's the question <laughs> that a believer has to answer, and that, that on that question depends: Are you sure of your salvation? Now, again, I said it, as a youth pastor, it would happen all the time, and a parent would come and say, "We did this, we did that. He said this, he said that. He prayed here, he did, you know, and and yet their life is not looking any different." than their peers. Their life is not looking any different than those who don't claim to know Christ. And, and so uh, a parent is looking for some evidence. We are looking for some evidence. When we, when we come to this conclusion that we are sinful beyond our wildest dreams and we are scared when we come face to face with it, in the sermon I talk about standing on the abyss that, that the apostles pushed us to in Romans, and you look down and you see such loss, what do you hold on to? And that's, so that's, that's what we will we'll talk about. Um, so let's, let's break this down. All who are truly born again will persevere to the end. John 6. Um, John 6, 40. And I printed, I think, most of these verses in your notes. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. Ephesians 1. I, I, we're not going to read all of these. Ephesians 1. Um, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Okay, so you heard the word and believed. So he's talking about this process here. I, my heart was regenerated by the Spirit. I heard the word and I believed faith and repentance, and I was justified in that moment. Um, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. We'll talk about the Holy Spirit in a minute. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. And Romans 8, we'll get there sometime this year. But what a beautiful passage he ends with, that chapter. Who's going to separate us from the love of Christ? My, uh, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written, for your sake we're being killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? What a beautiful assurance. Now, you know when that chapter comes, chapter 8 comes after this wrestling, and we'll go through it, of chapter 7. And chapter 7 is, is this 
I mean, it is a really, it is an intimate look into the heart of the apostle who says, I find that I want to do things and I don't do them. I don't want to do that and I do it. And so he is wrestling. I've received the gospel. I've had more revelation than maybe any other New Testament person. And I'm wrestling with sin and I hate it. And then he comes to, he's, I, wretched man, he says, how can I escape? And then chapter 8 is just beautiful. So we'll get there, but chapter 8 ends, ends with that. Just a, a, a reminder, there is nothing that will snatch the believer from the hand of the Father. Um, it's not our hold of him, it's his hold of us. And, and we, you can't pry it out of his cold, dead fingers. Um, he, he will hold on to his beloved. Um, and so in those moments as a Christian where you feel overwhelmed with guilt, um, this is a doctrine I share when a person's overwhelmed with guilt. This is not a doctrine I point to when a person is wayward and living life just as a non-believer. I, do not, I don't dare say, oh, well, you said this back then, so you're good. Oh, you were baptized back then, so you're good. We're going to read some text out of Hebrews in, in, a, in a minute. But um, this is the doctrine for the person who is overwhelmed with their sin. Um, now, this isn't in your notes, but we, we said that God gives his spirit as a seal. Um, in, a, in Ephesians, it's, it's talked about as a deposit um, that, that, uh, that God has put in there. And it's like earnest money on your soul. God himself, who is everywhere present, gives his spirit to the believer. And, and the Holy Spirit lives in the heart of a believer. You don't have to speak in tongues to get it or prove it. You don't have to do uh, miraculous works to do it. When the Spirit of God is in you, you are convicted of sin and your faith grows and you're certain of things and you long for His Word. But, but uh, the Scriptures say that it's, it's, it's God Himself saying, I'm giving you a little bit of me to hold you to the end. Um, what does the Spirit do as a seal? Well... He'll, we'll see this also in Romans. The, the Spirit confirms our adoption. The Holy Spirit himself, the Scriptures say, testifies to our spirit that we're children of God. Um, the Spirit that he deposits confronts us in our sin. Um, yeah, so 1 Corinthians 1.13, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation believed in him were sealed who is the guarantee of our inheritance all right so that's the first part of the definition any questions about that the second part is only those who persevere to the end have been truly born again now this sounds like circular reasoning it sounds like circular reasoning in the sense that uh, God will keep all of his to himself. Um, and, and so uh, you, can, you can hold on to that promise as a believer. But if you turn your back on God and, and you kind of jettison the faith, 
or you are unconverted, you know, that's, that's becoming a thing now, you know, deconversion, you know, people talk about that, uh, and, and, and go off to live as if God doesn't exist, have anything to say over your life, then, then what this doctrine says is you weren't saved back here. That's why I mean, it sounds circular, doesn't it? You understand what I'm saying by that? It's like, well, it's kind of the excuse. Wait, you said when I was saved, I was always saved. Um, and now you're saying I may not be saved, right? Uh, and, and so when I was in my prayer, when I was trying to pray this. Of, there are things that are hard and confusing. We absolutely want to look at something and say, I know I'm saved forever. We'll talk about that at the end, but but I, I want you to grasp it. That, that that's that's kind of that. So you, so you have churches that will say, yeah, once saved, always saved, and and um, you know you walk the aisle, you said the magic words, and you're good. And then you got churches that say, no, your salvation is up for grabs. I had a really really good friend that I worked with who was Nazarene. I don't know if Nazarene teach this anymore or not. But they really they taught that you could lose your salvation. And he literally, he told me, I could be riding home from work and, and saved. And as I'm riding, I look lustfully at a young lady jogging, go head into a tree and be lost. And I, oh my word, where does that come from? Why, why do you, why not, why not after your conversion have someone put a bullet in your head? <laughs> You know, I'm like, I mean, it just how how insecure is that? But then and many cults operate that way. So they have this picture of salvation, but you stay saved and you earn it by your works, by your good deeds. So um, only those who persevere to the end have been truly born again. And I know that Scotty and Jason love it when I tell the story about my buddy's dad. Right. You've heard it a bunch from me. He came home from camp. Dad, I got saved. And what does his dad say? We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> right? We'll see. And I mean, his feelings were hurt, right? But, but in 1 Corinthians 5, it says, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. Not anyone who in Christ has their salvation ticket punched and go on and do everything you want. No, you're a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. All this is from Christ. Um, so... So when we, when we look at a person's, so here's what happens. We look at their sanctification, right? And we, we, it's, it's why community is super important for us, right? We, we, look at our, we look at their sanctification. We don't say um, you're saved because of it. We say, I, I, I see the work of God the Spirit. Now, beautiful it is when God the Spirit over, overshadows all of our objections and all of our pride and how beautiful it is those of us who have kids when we see it break through on occasion with our kids let me tell you one of my greatest joys in this life has been seeing this in my wife's life and i've, I've told you guys that before but she's a different woman than i the one i married uh and and i've i've loved these 30 some years 35 or 7 something like that somewhere I've loved seeing that. And at moments, the Spirit works on this with Tammy Kuyper. At moments, the Spirit works on that with Tammy Kuyper. I hope she can say the same about me. But um, So we, 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 we look at this. 
And, and sometimes when we're, when we're overcome with this, this guilt, it's because of this. It's because God is now saying, Mark, Tammy, uh, I'm now, now going to shine my light on this, this spot. Um, so we're not, again, we're not saved by our sanctification, but there are assurances that are given in our sanctification. Uh, make sense? Um, so only those who persevere to the end have been truly born again. And so it's one of the reasons I don't do it necessarily in altar call. I don't, I don't like preach on Sunday and have someone moved by the Spirit and, and come to know the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that doesn't happen and it can't happen. But I, 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 I want to have a conversation with that person. Uh, if, if, they, if they walk the aisle and, and want to take communion, they've never done it before, then I want to make sure that, and it's happened here, it's happened before in other places, like immediately on, on Monday or Sunday night, like, let's get together and talk. You have just demonstrated an external acceptance of the gospel. Do you know what it means? Do you know when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, what it means? Do you grasp the import of this? Um, not just, hey, I was feeling really bad and, and um, I've heard that Jesus loves me. I really need that because I need him to fix this, 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 this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk the aisle and become a Christian. And then all of a sudden someone says, well, there's, there's areas of behavior and life and belief and, uh, <laughs> that, that need to be addressed. You're like, whoa, whoa, you know, I didn't sign up for that. I, I signed up for Jesus to help me and take care of me. Um, so in Hebrews 3, in the book of Hebrews, I don't know when we did that, maybe four or five years ago. Uh, it's full of warnings and it's written to Jewish believers and Jewish believers had all forms of external assurances, right? Uh, it was circumcision, it was feasts, it was just even their language and their dress, uh, their whole calendar. They had all of these external things that were saying, we are the people of God. Well, well, the writer of Hebrews goes, hey, don't forget this. You know all of those that God brought through the Red Sea? They died in the wilderness, <laughs> right? And, and the writer of Hebrews is saying, be careful. Don't claim anything other than the gospel of Christ to hold you to himself. And so in, in chapter 3, and one of many, many warnings in Hebrews, Take care, lest there be in you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. Exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we've come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion. For who were those that heard and rebelled? Was it not those who left Egypt led by Moses? And whom was he provoked for forty years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they wouldn't enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see they were unable to enter because of their unbelief. 1 John 2, they went out from us, they, weren't, they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not of us. Um, so perseverance, it is God's gift to believers, and it is proof of our salvation. Um, any, any questions about that? Would you say the antithesis to perseverance 
is the sinner's prayer? Um, uh, yeah, so Scotty asked about um, the antithesis to perseverance is the sinner's prayer. I wouldn't say it's necessarily antithesis. I, I would say it is a, a, a shallow hope to hold on to. Um, and I mean, and I've, I've taken kids through it. I mean, how many... How have you been to youth camp where every head is bowed and every eye is closed? And if you want to accept Jesus, nobody's going to know. We're not going to tell anybody. It's going to be our secret. Uh, just put your hand up. Oh, I see you over there. Oh, I see you. That's great. That's great. Nobody's looking. Nobody's looking. I, I, I did that. And, and I, as I got older, I'm like, why did I do that? <laughs> like, I'm going to be a Christian if nobody knows. <laughs> like, where did, where did that thought even come from? Um, yeah, so I, I think that's, I think that, uh, you know, I, 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 many people can look, again, my wife can look back at a particular time. This is, this is when I knew it. You know, this is when my heart broke and I gave my life to the Lord. Um, but, yeah. Uh, we are out of time, so we will pick up next week on C. Those who finally fall away may give many external signs of conversion. Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you again for your word and thank you that you hold to your saints. That The perseverance doctrine teaches us that we can claim to belong to you, uh, Father, not because we have tried or not even because we are good people. We can claim to belong to you because the Spirit deposited into us tells us that we belong to you. Spirit deposited into us reminds us every time we are brought about to repentance that we are only repenting because we belong. We're only bringing these things up and you're only pointing them out because you love us. Help us, Father, as a community, as brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, to push one another on towards love and good deeds, to be warned about the hardness of sin. Help us not to be afraid that uh, sin in our lives means we are not saved as much as to be afraid as sin in our life not bothering us at all. Help us, Lord Jesus. Amen.